Okay. Hi. Welcome to the Iron Show. Oh, it's so nice to be here. And tonight, we're going to talk about feelings. And you know what feeling we're going to talk about tonight? To, uh, we had, yeah, <laughs> we had to get in here and uh, record an intro to the second part of Iron Show Thirty One Fear. So you're now listening to Iron Show Thirty Two Fear Part Two, and we had to get in here and record an intro because uh, we both listened to this and thought about this second half, and uh, we decided that it was so deep. That, uh, man, we had to just get in here and do another special intro for it. This is a very special Iron Show. It's special to me anyway, so I just hope you can sit, kick back, listen deep, and uh, let this thing speak to you, because I really think we just accidentally, or the Holy Spirit came in, and we just nailed some deep healing stuff. It's just, I don't know. Johnny likes it. What do you think? Johnny likes it. I like it. Oh, yeah. I give out, I give out my email address in this episode. So oh. Y'all can just pound the inbox. <laughs> Feel free. Just wear it out. It's Gmail, right? I got seven gigs of storage left. <laughs> How hard could it be? I mean, come on, really. Just send a brother an email. Just send a brother an email. I got some people I need to shout out to here. Um, first of all, Dr. Future. I love you, man. Dr. Future. Dr. Future oh. is incredible. Oh, man. You gotta love him. You gotta love him. He's the reason for the Iron Show. Uh, Tom Bionic, Fizzy Boy. Love Tom you, man. Bionic, Fizzy Boy. Oh, Fizzy. And uh, Future Quake, South Africa. That's fqsouthafrica.co.za. Uh, awesome. Oh, Dion and Audra. Oh, man. A.K.A. Double Dutch in Andy. I love you guys. <laughs> I love the South African quake. You guys rock. Baby. Future quake. quake. Yes. South African future quake. FQs. Quakes. Yes. Each hemisphere. Each Covered hemisphere. like a mug. Oh, yes. And, uh, yeah. Oh, Double Dutch and Andy. Uh, CJ, Sword of the Spirit, man. Love you, man. CJ, you rock. CJ! Alright! Chris White. CJ! Chris White, man. First Chris five... White is the man. Dude. Dude. I met Chris White in person. I, I know Chris White. I know. You hang out with him all the time. Uh, yeah. You want to get something on the internet? Chris White. <laughs> That's it, man. Want to learn some stuff? Chris White. Chris White. He's the dude, man. Chris White at verse by verse Bible teaching.com. Great. And oh yeah, we got some more shout outs. Got some more shout outs. Rose. Love you, Rose. She listens to the Oh yeah. Show. Rose. Yeah. She's oh, cool. I've got yeah. some good uh good talks with her. Yeah, Carol up in Canada. Love oh. the fear session. 
sweet. Yes. And uh, all my friends out there, uh, Adrian, man, Adrian, I love you, bro. Dude, Adrian is an Iron Chef fan. I watched him get baptized by uh, by Russ Dizdar in the pool. I was there. That was brutal, That is so man. cool. That is so cool. Oh, man, I love Adrian, man. I said, I said, Adrian, you know, I'd like, before he went, before he walked into the pool, and I said, you know what, I'd like to say, I'd like to think that the Iron Show uh, played a role, played a part in your salvation experience. And he looked at me, he goes, dude, the Iron Show played the part. And I was like, whoa, now I can die. <laughs> you know what, man? That's like I said, I'm going to die and I'm taking as many people with me as I can. Right, man. Heaven bound. Oh, heaven my. Bound. Heaven bound. Heaven, heaven bound. bound. Oh, yeah, baby. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. What's up? You know it. Oh, so sit back. Hey, I want to give a holler to, <laughs> oh. so, to the people at World of Prophecy. Oh, yeah. I like World of Prophecy. They're yeah. a cool group. Oh, the World so, of Prophecy, man. That, World of Prophecy. That's... That's where the Iron Show got started. Well, who have we got? The World of Prophecy. We've got uh, Rose, of course. Sister Rose. Sister Rose. We have Caretaker. Caretaker. I love Caretaker. He's sort of like a father figure to me. Good old Caretaker. Wait quickly. Wait quickly. Love Wait quickly. He rocks. So does that make me like a second cousin to you? Yeah. Like a second cousin well, Rose is my sister, my big sister. That's what she told me. I always wanted a big sister. Somebody I could tell my feelings to. Oh, it feels like love. It feels like the Iron Show. Listen deep to part two of Iron Show 32, Fear, Fear, with with Counselor Mark Breton. People better email me. All right. Listen for the email address. Listen hard. I ain't going to put it on the... Let me help you. Let me help you. Oh, he will help you. And I want to give another big shout out to Tim and Mike on the Tim and Mike Show. Man, Tim and Mike... They have agreed to let us take over their show, uh, me and Counselor Mark, and uh, we are going to do a live. We're going to do a live uh, counseling session on the Tim and Mike show, and uh, that's tentatively scheduled for oh near the end of October. I'll have the uh, go back to the download page, ironshow.com, download.html. And uh, go there and check out the the, uh, the link to get to the show. We, we'd love to have you come to the show, right, Council Mark? Absolutely. Absolutely. That will make the show. It's not going to be me. It's not going to be Johnny. We're wild. We're good. But it's going to be you. That's right. It's going to be the people calling in. That's what's going to make it good. Because what you've experienced 
And what you have to say is going to minister to somebody else. So step up. That's right. That's what that's what that's what it's all about. We got to get in here and uh, talk it out. Talk it out. All right, Council Mark. It's been real, man. We will see you when we do Iron Show 34. Sadness. Grief. And grief. Sadness and grief. <sighs> that should be a really good up show. <laughs> I don't know what we're going to do. We're going to have to... We're, you know what we're going to have to do? We're going to have to inject a lot of big production and loudness and jokes into it. Right? <laughs> I'll give you something. Oh, won't we? Oh, man. Oh, oh. It's going to be something. It's going to be a trip to do grief because that, that, that deals with so much stuff. Oh, my gosh. It's, it's huge. It is a huge topic that people avoid like the plague. I know, but if you listen to 34, Sadness and Grief, or Grief and Sadness, I think that you'll enjoy it. I think that's something you'll want to listen to, and we'll make it that way. So, you know. And if if you you listen to The Fear Show, this part two, and you want to talk about sadness and grief, if you want me to discuss a particular thing let me know and then Johnny and I will prep for it and then we'll, we'll talk about issues that you bring up so just let me know and it'll it'll add to the show it'll be really good the live session the live counseling session with Counselor Mark is set for October 26th Wednesday night at 6pm West Coast 2011 so uh, be there. Look for the go to the go to the download page at theironshow.com and click on the link. And we want you there. We want you asking Counselor Mark your questions and telling him your issues. And and oh, Mark, I'm so scared. <laughs> What's up? You should be. I'm in the tent, Laura's in the tent, Marin's in the tent. She was a little girl back in 93. And it's about 1 in the morning, and I'm hanging. My wife's asleep. My daughter's asleep. I'm wide awake with my 44 bulldog, bullnose, 44 in my hand, <laughs> fully loaded and ready for action. <laughs> All of a sudden, I heard, like, Arnold Schwarzenegger's coming into camp you could feel the vibrations with every step and i'm like oh no the terminator's coming into the camp oh man i'm glad i got this 44 cocked and ready and uh i'm telling you these footsteps it was it was like a oh it it was like a big robot you know weighing about a ton walking stomping into the camp and i put my face against the tent screen you know how those tents have screens keep out the you can see through them to keep out the bugs yeah keep the bugs out i push i couldn't see unless i put my face against the screen and pushed my face into the screen then i could see it into the camp and so i did and this huge slobbery nose touched its nose against mine and i saw it, and it was a black bear and it was the biggest thing i had biggest black bear i didn't know they got that big and it pressed its nose against mine, sniffed a couple times, and then blew its nose all over my face. And my face was just dripping with bear snot. And uh, 
Then it proceeded. So. <laughs> so here I am in my tent, my face just dripping with bear snot, hanging on to my 44, you know, looking at this bear just tearing up the camp. Finally, I'm like, it gets, uh, it disappears. I'm like, oh, cool. It ate all the food and now it's going to leave. And so I, I woke Laura up and I woke Marin up. I go, bear, bear. Laura goes, what are we going to do? I go, we're going to run for the car. And she goes, because it's, you know, it's probably 20, 30, about 30 feet away. And so I go, wait, though. Let me, let me go out and check, make sure it's gone, because I can see most of the camp. But, you know, I got to go out there and check before you get out of this tent. I get out of the tent. I look all around the camp. Bear's gone. I walk around the side of the tent. There he is. We're standing toe-to-toe. And, you know, anybody knows anything about bear, uh, their skull is like two inches thick. And unless you can shoot it right in the eyeball, <clears throat> even with a forty-four, you're not going to kill it. You're just going to make it mad. It's going to kill you. So here I am with my um, forty-four aimed right at his eyeball, and he starts to come at me. And I look down, and there's a pound of bacon sitting on top of my toes. And I look down. I st- Stepped back as I kicked the bacon to him. I go, nice bear, have some bacon. <laughs> it just went, woof. He just, his face went right into that pound of bacon. And I go, run! <laughs> we made it to the car and we left everything that I had bought for the camping trip. The tent, our sleeping bags there. And I hope some bum found it, you know, at some point and was nice and cozy. It's in the hobo jungle right now. <laughs> it's under a bridge. That was a fear that I had never experienced, and that is unless some, as Father Malachi Martin uh, once said when confronting uh, uh, life or death, he says, I've only been twice in my life threatened with we of death, or really threatened. Once was in Czechoslovakia, and once was in America. And uh, it's a horrible feeling knowing that unless something happens, you are going to die. Now! Oh, man. And, uh... That was the fear of death. That was fight or flight. And it was, I'm amazed that I had the clarity to get that gun pointed right at his eyeball, the clarity of thought, because I was so riddled with fear. You want to address that for just a second, that fight or flight fear of instant death? I think that, uh, again, it goes back to, of course, we're afraid of death. I mean, because we don't know, experientially, (laughs) generally speaking, we do not know what is oh what's what's there and and i think we live our life with a low grade temperature of of kind of uh you know what am i going to amount to you know what am i what am i going to amount to in this life and i think that it's legacy and and when you when you talk about apologetics and other worldviews and their systems one of the questions that they a, a proper worldview has to answer is legacy and so when we're in that moment, you know, these things – see, what a lot of people don't understand is, is we're carrying around such huge collections of baggage all the time that we're so used to that unless we learn how to step back and look at it, we don't realize this is always going around with us. It's all up in our head all the time, all these thoughts, all these implications. And so when we hit the crisis moment like you did, you know – well, I don't want to die. Well, there's a few reasons why. Of course, the natural idea of being eaten by a bear is horrific. I mean, recently there was a story that came out of a girl and her father 
that were out in the woods and uh, they were attacked by a bear. The father, they got separated. The father had already been killed by a separate bear. This bear found this girl. She called her mom on her cell phone. And for the next 40 minutes, her mom was able to listen to this girl die being eaten by a bear. 40 minutes. And, uh, I mean, I, it's, it's like an unspeakable horror. And, uh, we're, we have to be that way. You know, I, I remember in the Old Testament reading about how the animals became afraid of people. You know, that was like something God put in them to protect them. And because if they weren't afraid of us, what happens? They just come poking around like they do at the national parks and they're going to get hit by a car. Or there's, they're going to be given the wrong food. Something wrong is going to happen because it's going to affect their natural existence, their natural being. Yeah, the world has fallen, but there's some things that still make sense, you know? And, and so we are humans, and of course, we are made in the image of God, and we have those attributes still sullied that they are. We still have them, but we're, we're, we have things in us that's very similar to what the animals have. And I'm not talking about an instinct so much as a mechanism. I can't think of a better way to put it. Fight or flight. Uh, yeah, and that's fight or flight. And and so that mechanism kicks in because we're afraid of them. Right. Well, why are we afraid of them? I was afraid of the bear long before I went out in the woods. You were afraid of the bear long before you went out in the woods. Oh, How yeah. do you know that? You took a gun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so already you're programmed. You're thinking, what am I going to do? How am I going to prep for this? How am I going to get ready for this fight? And okay, is this gun going to be enough to plug this guy and let me run? Yeah. So this is something that is occurring before you even get in the woods, obviously, because you took the gun with you. Yes. Now, you know, somebody who is foolish would go out in the woods knowing that there's bears around cause, and not take something with them. You know, that's right. somebody who either is fearless or, you know, and it's either real bravado, false bravado, or just ignorance. Yeah, you know? I get angry. And, 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 I get angry and at so, those people. And they think that, well, a bear will never eat me, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, what kind of punk goes out in the woods without a without a, a sidearm or, or a rifle? I mean, what, what it makes me yeah. mad? I want to slap them, teach them how to shoot a gun and put it in their hand and say, take it. <laughs> you know, honestly, if they can't get that concept before they go in the woods, they I deserve really to don't die. Want them out there. I know I don't want them out there with me. No. No. You know what I mean? I'm off the highway. I got trouble Don't feeling drive. sorry for him too. <laughs> I remember saying that to some of my uh, friends when their children were old enough to drive. I'm like, well, oh no, now I'm going to have to stay off the road. You know, it's just we have that, and we're, that's built into us, and it's the same as the animals. You know, you scare an animal, and and like for instance, like let me give you a story of fear and reaction, fight or flight. And it's got a mama bear twist to it because right. my my wife got the nickname uh, a mama bear uh, in certain circles because of it. I was in Korea in the Air Force. I did a year over there by myself, and uh, I'm this is this will blow your mind, but it's absolutely true. I left on the third of July, and I flew over the Dateline. And um, when I got to Korea, I got a phone call. And uh, they were like, your wife and your children have been attacked. Oh, no. 
And I, of course, I'm like absolutely freaked out because I'm uh, immediately terrified of someone oh. being hurt. You know, just everything that can go wrong, lost, grief, just everything. You know, it's just, and I'm like, well, what happened? They're like, well, we're going to set you up with a phone call. We'll get you taken care of. She's all right. The kids are all right. And so I call my wife up and she's just, this is what happened. There was a guy who had, was on probation. He'd been in jail, got out. And of course, this is Albuquerque, New Mexico, where they live. They been live there. On, the, on the Air Force Base. So they're living in base housing in Albuquerque. And this guy hopped up on whatever he was going to be hopped up on, probably meth yep. and booze. He jumps the fence because the cops pull him over. So the cops are pulling him over. He jumps. He just somehow, you know, my wife said he couldn't wait a buck 40 wet, you know? Yeah. Uh, he jumps the fence and just starts looking to hide. So the cops, of course, immediately alert the base cops. Everybody's looking for this guy. Well, because it's base housing and, and my wife is conditioned to the idea that there's guards at the, at the gates with guns. People aren't getting on here. If they're not supposed to be here, they're not going to be here. Well, the screen door is is closed, but the big door is not closed. It's not locked. It's just sitting open. And so this guy finds my house because we weren't that far from the fence you know, where the house was. And he climbs over the fence and he cuts himself on the barbed wire, gets over, and he starts looking for a place to hide. Well, he sees the door and he comes into the house. Now, my wife hears him. It's probably I think it was around 5 o'clock in the evening. I'm not certain. Sometime around then. And uh, <clears throat> he comes in the house. She gets up and sees him. And he grabs her by the hair. Now, my wife's five foot four. Uh. And she's always had longer hair, you know, like past shoulder length. Grabs her by the hair. She immediately screams for the kids to get out of the house. My two older children, who were like eight and seven at the time, I believe, they go outside on the back patio. They, I mean, they don't get 15 feet from the house. And they just stand there, you know, just terrified. My youngest one, she goes in the closet in her room. This guy drags my wife to the bedroom, throws her on the bed face down, and is kneeling on her back while he's looking out the window to see if the cops are coming. Oh, man. And, uh, and so, you know, he's hurting her. And, and then after a while, I guess, you know, he decides, and I don't know all of the time frame here, but uh, he wants to get to another part of the house. And uh, so he gets off of my wife's back and he grabs her hair and he's pulling her again. Well, my daughter, Lydia, my youngest at the time, she came out of the closet and came out into the hallway to see what was going on. Well, this guy, he let go of my wife's hair and he grabbed my daughter oh, by no. the arm and and jerked her around and he's yelling the whole time and he's just you know threats and whatever else dude well this guy you got to understand this is one of those kinds of people that has absolutely no body fat you know right, what i mean yeah and my wife has always kept her fingernails you know medium long there's something there like if i want my back scratched i can get it she got a hold of this guy she grabbed him in the gut and she got a whole handful of them whoa and that means that this was serious business. I mean, she grabbed this dude. And so, you know, she had told the kids to run, and she got a hold of this. I mean, the instinct kicked in. Yep. And it was going to be fight. Mother instinct. 
Exactly. And so we are programmed to protect each other, pr- protect the ones that are important to us. And she put a hurting on this dude, and he ran. I mean, he ran out of the house as fast as he could. Whoa, good. And and so, you know, now here's the, the leftover, though. The bad thing is, is that still my wife is extremely focused on having the house be locked up yeah. all the time. And whether I'm in the house or whatever's going on, the door is always locked. The doors are locked. The windows are locked. Everything is locked. And that's because, you know, this occurred. And so, you know, there's, there's that, that thought process then is like, I want to be safe. and, And so there's a fear behind that from experience that says, I need to do this to secure my family. I need to do this to secure myself. And it's, it's, again, it's protecting what we value, but we're responsible as parents to protect our children. So <clears throat> there is a healthy fear. Fear this producing like wisdom. You and the bear. That and fear it's is wisdom to be afraid of a bear. Yeah. Fear produces you know, wisdom in almost any case or not. No. And uh, and I'll tell you why <clears throat> because there's really two very distinct kinds of fear. Um <clears throat> there is the fear of the Lord upon which all of these other things are predicated. If you read Proverbs, you see all the different things that it says about, you know, wisdom things, stuff that you can do to get along in this life and have it be fairly successful. Uh, they're just, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a book of folklore, but it's not really folklore. I don't want to put it that way. It's common wisdom. It's a book of common sense. It is not for those name and claim it people out there. It is not a formula. You don't do this to get this. It's basically common sense. It's a collection of common sense sayings. But it starts right off with the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so that's an understanding. I mean, think about it. I understand creation. To me, understanding creation and and the way things are going to occur is respecting what God has designed and ordered. Yes. Interesting. And so that is showing him the proper honor and respect. That is the fear of the Lord. That is wisdom. Wisdom is is going out into the wild and and bringing your gun because there's wild animals out there, you know. And and for my wife now, wisdom is locking up the house. Right. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. You know, because I might be in the other room and someone might walk in. Someone might try to get in the house. It's happened before. It can occur again. And so that's the order of things, and that's understanding how things go in a sinful world. You know, this is the place we live, and these are where these fears come from. Bad fear, and there is definitely bad fear, is anything that's not the fear of the Lord. It's the fear of something else. Oh. Uh, and, and it falls in with that verse in, in Scripture that says, that which is not of faith is sin. So it's one or the other. Okay. It's the same way with fear. The fear of the Lord, and that's that recognition of everything that falls into his order because God is, is, is perfectly ordered and how he has designed the world to work, respecting that. And then there's the fear of man. That's it. There's, there's the two. You know, the Bible says that the wicked fear when no one is pursuing yeah, and that's out of their ignorance. Right. Because if if they went before the Lord and, and actually were willing to give up their, their wickedness, they would find 
mercy. They would find repentance. But see, they don't want to quit. And they know that they're doing something bad and that everybody gets caught or everybody dies and then they pay. You know, because we all hear about that all the time. Oh, yeah. That's it. You you hear about death. Death is the ultimate judgment seat. I mean, it's just the way it is. Oh, so the wicked fear death and rightly so and fear harm. It, even if nobody's, even if it's you know, nobody's coming after them, the Bible says they they still fear it, you know, even though. But that's because that their fear is not rooted in the fear of the Lord. It's no. it's the fear of death and the fear of guilt and the oh. fear of Christ. So we Cons- would, so we could say that we would lose that fear when we really have the fear of the Lord. We will sure. lose that other fear. And the most dangerous people on earth are the ones that have neither. The fear oh. of the Lord or the fear of man. Wow. Oh, because they can do, they'll do anything. Yeah, they're utterly degenerate. They're utterly psychopath. You know, they, they, they're sociopaths. The, the laws of men and the order of God makes no difference to them. And that's where you get guys like Jeffrey Dahmer, you know? And that's where you, well, Dahmer actually ended up trying to deal with his sin and his evil wickedness. But yeah, ultimately uh, I'm trying to think I, he's not purely um, yeah. Hannibal Lecter. Hannibal Lecter. Here's a census taker once came to visit me. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a fine Chianti. <laughs> I, Here's a guy who is not afraid of anything. No. He has no fear. No fear. For him, death is a fascination, you know, where he's just like, wow, you know, I wonder what this will be like. It'll be one new sensation I'm going to be able to suck up, you know, and he thinks somehow that he's going to ascertain that and that there's no, there's no consequence. Or what you get a lot of people who uh, kill other people, um, like plot it, they really think they're the smartest person in the room and they can't get caught. And of course, all the all the CSI shows have put an end to that. Everybody can see. See, that's there's a, there's an interesting idea. Think about like do a big poll of CSI watchers, people who are familiar with it, and yeah. ask them. After watching CSI, do you feel a like you could get away with crime better now because you know the tricks? Or B, there's no way in the world you're going to commit a crime because they're always going to get caught. Yeah, B. That would be B. B. I'm always <laughs> going to get caught. That would be me. <laughs> I am the guy who's going to be holding the bag. And, and, and the thing is, is in life, I am the guy holding the bag. And you're, so oh, I need yeah. to recognize that and just say, okay, Lord, you know, have mercy on me, a sinner. Just like that guy was praying that Jesus, when Jesus was talking about the tax collector yes. and he was talking about the Pharisee, the Beat Pharisees were the dangerous ones because they honestly believed that they could fulfill the law of God. Yes. And what did they say? Thank you, God, for making me such a wonderful person and not like that wicked old tax collector over there. That's it, man. Slimy publican. But the publican said he beat his chest violently and said, Have mercy on me, God, a sinner. Have mercy on me, God, a sinner. 
And what did well, Jesus say about that guy? Well, Jesus said that you need to be that guy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in essence, that's what it was. He said, truly, I say unto you, guy. he said, truly, I say unto you, that man went home justified. Exactly. He went justified because he admitted his guilt and he dealt with it before the only person who can deal with his guilt. And that was God. And so, like I said, fear divvies up two ways. You either have the fear of the Lord or you have the fear of man. Now, I'm not saying you're going to get in column A and stay in column A. We all operate back and forth in this because yes. every it's all surrender. You know, we keep going through these different things, these temptations and these situations so that we can learn to stand. You know, that's the idea is we have to use the fear that we feel and recognize it, call it what it is, and then go, you know what? I'm really afraid of what this person thinks. I'll give you a for instance. I teach class at my church, and there have been times when I have actually been afraid that they're going to take it from me. That oh, they're going to come a, up and say, you know what, Mark? Yeah, we're going to, we're going to, we really feel like we need to change the leadership here. That's another so, fear. And what's that fear, though? So I, I look know. at that and I'm like, well, what am I afraid of? Well, I'm afraid that <clears throat> somebody's going to think I'm not adequate. Somebody's going to think I'm not competent. Somebody's going to think I'm heretical. Somebody's going to think that I'm doing harm to the college and career group. Somebody's going to think something bad about me. you know. And, and I'll tell you what, my experience in church is the same as everybody else's. People talk, people gossip, people say things that aren't true, and other people are willing to listen and believe it. And I feel sorry for the people that are willing to listen to it and believe it a whole lot more than I feel sorry for the gossip. However, you know, I want the Lord to bring both of those people into, into right relationship. And, and I had to overcome that fear. And because I was afraid of what these people were going to think, I did not teach with the boldness that I needed to teach. Now, of course, I did overcome this. I, I, I spent time before the Lord and I admitted that I was afraid of people, that I was afraid of this, these people in leadership, that I was going to fall short and that they were going to look at me and they were going to kind of do the frown and go, mm, you know, like the three guys that sentenced, you know, what's uh, Jor-El to, you know, the Phantom Zone, the big floating heads, you know, <laughs> you're guilty, you know, and that's really what it was kind of like. It's like these people are going to come down and they're going to say, you are not good enough. And then I'm just going to have to live with it because I'm powerless in that situation. And so then, well, like we talked about with anger, anytime you experience powerlessness, then you're prone to want to get angry so that you can have power. So then I could get mad and go, well, those people are stupid anyways, or they don't really know anything. I'm the guy who went to seminary. I'm the one with the master's degree. Blah, 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 blah. Blah, you know, blah, I blah. On and on. Exactly. And it's just, <laughs> as Shakespeare put it, a loud-sounding wind signifying nothing. And, and, and yeah. so I had to deal with that fear. Well, that fear was rooted in my inability to trust God in that thing. And I'll tell you why I didn't trust him. I didn't trust him because, first of all, I have my own inadequacies. Here I am with these ordained ministers who have obviously earned the trust of somebody right. enough so that they would ordain them. Okay, there's one. Two, do I know what I need to know? Do I actually know what I'm talking about? Okay, well, and then that is evidence of me trying to teach in the flesh. Oh. I'm trying to teach in the flesh. 
Oh. You know? Okay, so then it becomes about – it's more important about what Mark thinks about the Bible than what the Bible thinks about Mark. Mm. So then I'm in the flesh. Well, you don't want me teaching in the flesh anyhow. <laughs> that's not what you want. No, that's not going to work. I, I told somebody one time I, I was talking about uh, being a pastor and uh, there was a, a resume that I did up in a letter, I think. And, and I basically I said to him, I said, you know what? I'm good for about a month and a half of Sundays of the flesh teaching. And after that, I'm just going to start repeating myself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's really, you know, that's all I got. Yeah. And until I start following the spirit and get away from the fear of men, my students would suffer. What do I care about more? What do I love more? The approval of men as my fleshly self, or do I fear God and am I seeking his will for these people in my class? What's more important? Am I going to then take the time to prepare and have all this stuff ready so that when the Holy Spirit says, this is the plate I want you to, to teach off of, this is the one I want you to serve, I'm prepared. You know, always be ready to give an answer. And so will I do the homework or am I going to just show up and go, hey, you know, I've been a Christian 35 years. Let's wing it. And, and so there's a fear of man that was introduced into that. And it had to do with my shame. And it had to do with adequacy. And it had to do with identification. And a lot of our fear, because we, this is where we really got to get down to it. You know, like I talked about, you either fear the Lord or you fear men. And so... That's the, those are the motives that we act out of, and we see that fear become bigger things uh, in our lives. They start to basically dig a groove. You know, if you let a, it's yes. like a record. Yeah. You know, when back in the day when they used to press vinyl, well, they had to make something that they were going to press the vinyl with. Yeah. And if you know, if the signal got too loud, it would the groove would cut too deep into the into the metal that they use for the press and it would sound horrible. Yeah. Saturation. You know? Yeah. And, and so it's distorted and it's not good and all that. And, uh, so for all those young people listening, that's how a record is made yes. with a lathe. <laughs> so anyhow, um, what happens is we let that get grooved. Uh, another, uh, you know, description, which some people might be able to identify with is a golf swing, you know, you can get grooved into a really bad golf swing and figure out how to shift enough to get the ball down down the fairway a little yeah. bit. But you've grooved yourself in a way that's not going to last, and when you turn 50, your back's going to hate you, and you're going to have pulled muscles and strained tendonitis because you've grooved the wrong thing. And we groove fear. We condition ourselves, and we groove fear. And so then we don't know how to act. That's like putting Band-Aids on a bad thing to make it work. Yeah, it is. It really is, and it's compensation. Wow. So we compensate. And, and usually in bad, fearful situations, we overcompensate. And so we get used to that kind of thing. And that's where you start seeing really heavy anxiety. You start seeing people get very fixated with certain things. You see neurosis and you see codependent relationships. And all those things all go together. Um, Which will get you across town. But if you try to make a trip to L.A. down I-5, forget it. Yeah, I had a friend that wouldn't leave her house. She had got to the point where she was so afraid of what could possibly happen to her. And it, all at the root of it was what, what were people going to think? She had become so broken that she couldn't stand to go out and the, just the idea of anybody actually 
And she had almost become non-functional. She actually went out, she bought groceries and, and whatever, but she just didn't want to interact with anything or anybody because she had gone from being just afraid to feeding that fear to having it become anxiety and having it become a fixation to becoming neurotic about it. I mean, she just, and, and, and then it turns into a phobia, you know? And a phobia is an unjustified fear. You know, like being afraid of heights. Well, of course, it makes sense to be afraid of heights. If you fall from a high place, you're going to get hurt or you're going to die. There we go with death again. Yeah. You know, we don't want to flirt with death. It makes perfect sense. But if the precautions are taken to be at a high place and you're not going to fall unless something, God forbid, should happen, just totally freak accident, then you should be fine. If you've got a harness on and you're strapped to something that doesn't move, and you're up high, guess what? You don't need to be afraid. You're not going anywhere. And that's the fear of the Lord, that harness. I believe so. In life, when it comes to dealing with men, that's the harness. Wow. That's a really good way to look at it. He has secured our self-worth. He has secured our self-being, who we are. You know, self-being kind of sounds redundant, but he's secured that self if we will trust in him. You know, and, and we are told not to put, make in, you know, any provision for the flesh. And in my mind, that means the opposite as well. We need to make every provision for the spirit. What and about, the way that we do that is, is facing down our fear. What about this um, fear that Jesus just, just isn't good enough to save me? He's just not enough. I don't trust. And also, and also the fear of... Jesus is going to dump me like a hot potato. He's going to drop me like a hot potato if I don't watch it. That constant fear of that. That's, that's not well-founded either. That's where legalism is found, uh, springs from. Am I wrong? I know no, I'm you're right. Wrong. That's a legalism. Uh, legalism, it's like you start down a little road, and it becomes all of a sudden you're a long, long way off the path. Right. But, the path runs parallel, you know what I mean? But it isn't the right one. Yeah. And what happens is is legalism and those kinds of fear that Jesus is going to dump you, that these things are going to occur, and people feel this way. Oh, my God, am I saved? You know, and they're praying that. Oh, my God, am I saved? You know, and they're worried about their salvation. And, you know, it says in Scripture that even if your hearts condemn you, God is bigger than your hearts. So he's given us this idea about how to overcome, how to choose to overcome those fears. And somebody who feels like they're, that Jesus is just going to dump them when he figures out who they really are is, is really uh, acting ignorant. They're acting ignorant of the word of God. Yeah. They're not doing the things that will reinforce. If right now, if you're hearing, you know, when you hear this broadcast, when you hear this on the Internet, if right now you feel like Jesus is going to dump you, like there's a very good chance that you're not going to be good enough, but you know you had a salvation experience. Right. Get in a Bible teaching church. Yeah. Don't don't stick around and listen to somebody beat you down every Sunday and tell you how awful you are. Yeah, of course you're awful. We're all awful. Yeah. What do you do? Accept it and move on. If 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 you're in a church that's making you feel like you're not good enough and there's no hope. Every week, you know, there's no hope. You're, you, you, you're not cutting it. You need to find a church that teaches the Bible because people are only afraid of that when they're looking at themselves and they're not looking at Jesus. And they're not looking at Jesus lots of times because they're horribly distracted by the legalists. 
There are people out there that make themselves feel like they're okay by making everybody else feel like they're not. Yes, and you know the the legalists uh, the legalists are very very tr- uh, tricky, and they're very good at finding tiny little passages, especially in the Old Testament, to justify their positions and make them and put up a good case for their position. Now, you know, you've got to realize that's what they do. They have to look so hard to find something to back up their position. I mean, right. when somebody, when you got a legalist in your face and they're showing you why they're right and they pick this little passage out of the Old Testament and then they dig really, really deep into it and they're trying really hard, that ought to be a warning sign right off the bat because the faith that saves you is a very simple faith. So faith, so simple that it has to be so simple that even a retarded citizen can understand it and be saved it's not that complicated it's simple jesus died he was good enough he was good enough to pay that price for you and he's and he says i'll never leave you or forsake you and uh he says uh to them who come unto me i will in no wise cast out that is so important we need to trust jesus that's our problem we don't trust him right and that's where fear comes from in that area. And that's where people start doing legalistic things. You know, somebody that begins on the path of legalism is afraid of what some person thinks. Or they're afraid of what God thinks and they don't believe what God said. It's a lack of trust. And that lack of trust, that lack of faith is sin. It's sin. And you tell a legalist that and, of course, they, they can't hear it because they have a hardened heart. That's why Jesus had to talk. To the Pharisees, that's why the language that Jesus had to use with the Pharisees was so strident, so severe, because he was trying to snap them out of it. He wasn't condemning them. He was shaking them as hard as he could to get them to come out of their, their state of mind and recognize that they were the ones that were sick and needed the doctor. They were the ones that were, you know, sinful and needed to be saved. And I think that's what happened to Nicodemus. I think Nicodemus got shook up enough that he was his his heart got soft enough to recognize that being a Pharisee was not going to be enough. Yes, and, and 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 he sought the Lord. He went to the Lord and was like, "What do I have to do to be saved?" He recognized that he wasn't that his life was not enough. And if grace is the thing that saves you, grace is the thing that keeps you. Yes, if you want. If you really, really honestly want to ignore the Bible and you want to tell Jesus that he's a liar and that what he said is not true, that his sacrifice is not sufficient, then you can go be a Mormon and do what they do because that's what they believe. Or you can go get into some seriously fringe Christianity and go be a Seventh-day Adventist who try to keep two of the Old Testament laws. Right. When there's yeah. how many how many laws? Yeah, ten you plus know? the six hundred and something. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's like okay, well, I'm not going to eat this, and I'm going to go to church on Saturday. If you don't do this, you're not saved. That doesn't make any sense. You know, no. that's why Paul said about the Judaizers, "I just wish they would go emasculate themselves." Right. Yeah. He was like, he was you know, so frustrated. Either, why don't you just why exactly just totally just, just hack yourself completely off? You know, and be done yeah. with it. He was, and the thing was, is, you know, 
if you look at the gods of the uh, remember when uh, you know, Elijah, you can't gets go in the far showdown. enough. In, you can't do anything good enough. That's but go no. ahead. The Elijah, yeah. The Eli- are you talking about the Elijah contest between him and Baal? Yeah, and I mean, what did the other guys do? To try to get the attention of their guy. They cut themselves and wailed. Exactly. The Baal worshippers. So they, they mutilated themselves yeah. trying to get the attention of their God. And Paul recognized that the time for that kind of circumcision was over. That it was, it was a sign for them and that God wants to circumcise our hearts. And, and what's cool about that is, is that there is no gender specificity in that. No. A heart is a heart. Yes. He included everybody in the sign. You know, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, man or woman, black or white. Everybody is either saved or not saved. And so, again, we get back to fear and trust. And uh, and do I trust God? Do I believe what God says about me? You know? And so then I start thinking about, am I going to make my brother stumble? That is the fear of the Lord. Am I going to make my brother stumble? Am I putting in his path things that are going to make him trip up? And that's where people are maturely able to abstain from certain things. It's not for legalistic reasons. Oh, I don't drink. You know, because you can't be a Christian if you drink. No. You're causing your brother to stumble if you drink in front of him if he has a problem with liquor. And it also says in Scripture, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled you know, with the Holy Spirit. And so we have... All the guidance that we need for Christian living in the Word. I don't need somebody else who thinks there's something else to come to me and tell me, you need to be this thing too. It's like uh, I've heard other people, you know, Ergen Kainer is one of them. Other good pastors say that good, honest to God Christians want you to look like Christ and legalists want you to look like them. Yeah. And it's, you know, what you almost said was Jesus plus this and Jesus plus that. There is no plus. Plus. Mm-mm. Yeah. And so what we have to do then is, is we get saved and then we go into the huge garden of our life, which is just full of weeds. You know, there's, there's the fruit starts growing. But what impedes the fruit? What takes up the resources that the fruit needs to grow naturally through the Holy Spirit? Weeds. They're down there eating minerals. They're down there sucking up water. So we need to go in and weed our garden. And the Holy Spirit will show us what the weeds are. And, and one of the biggest ones is fear. And, and so we have to go in there and be willing to look at those things and say, okay, I'm afraid of this person. Like I had an, a moment in, that, in the drive with my wife where I was afraid that in my anger, because I didn't say anything mean to her, but I realized I was afraid I had moved into almost like, because her and I, we used to have some problems and there was some serious codependency going on. And so I would really try my hardest to drag approval out of her, you know, get her to say, no, everything's fine and really feel like she meant it. Otherwise I would be afraid. I'd be afraid like it was going to break down. It was something was going to go wrong. She was going to get angry and then I was going to have to deal with it. It was going to suck, you know, and, 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 and you start building up this anxiety and this whole thing. And then you start doing things out of your nature, out of, out of goodness of yourself, out of love. And you just start doing things to get somebody else to reinforce something in you that you already ought to know because the Lord has reinforced it. Yes. Because the Lord has redeemed that thing. Because the Lord has redeemed you. And so in that fear, you start acting that way. And then what you're doing is you're giving that other person, you are taking them 
and putting them in the place of God. God sits on the throne of your heart. If you allow anyone else to judge you, you are making them God. Oh, wow. That's idolatry. Idolatry. Whoa. You have to be right. You must be right. Uh, Well, who, who is the judge? God. Right. So, you know, it says in Romans, judge not lest you be judged. Yes. And so he's telling you, look, if you start going around and pointing fingers at people and saying, no, you're not good enough, that your shoes are dirty, or whatever it is. Whoa, you've put them in the back place around. of God. Yeah, you're deciding to get on someone else's. You're kicking Whoa. God off the throne, and you're trying to climb on it. You're trying to kick him out, and you're trying to take that place. Oh, you might be taking the place rather than the other person also. Yeah, that or you're allowing the person. Yeah, it's basically you're trying to get God to abdicate. You're trying to tell God, don't be you who you are, so I can be who I want to be. Oh. That's never going to happen. And that's where you overcome fear, is when you realize that God is immutable, unchangeable, everlasting, good, totally and utterly omnibenevolent, omnipresent, omniscient, everything that you aren't. <laughs> And and he has decided to, to use you know, the word that is applicable, condescend to our level to become one of us and to redeem us. And then he is the one then who owns us and dictates our value. He's Because he knew what it cost. He paid it. So now he can buy us. And it says in scripture, do you not know you were bought for a price? Yes. And that was said to a group of people who were doing whatever they wanted to. And you, Paul's writing to the Corinthians, and Jesus is speaking to the churches, and he says, you, you think you're rich, but you're poor. Yes. You know, and, and what do they think they're rich? Because they've got a mutual admiration society going on, telling them, oh, yeah, you're cool. Yeah, you're cool. No, I'm not as cool as you, but you're pretty cool. Plus they had so wealth. We they had wealth, yeah. too. But it, what it is is, and all wealth is, wealth is a big word for and I'm going to take, just, you know, gen, kind of generalize it. Wealth is different for different people. You know, fame is wealth in popularity. You know, of course, there's the wealth of money. There's the wealth of approval. There's the wealth of, of you know, great self-esteem. There's these things that we get outside of God that we think make us wealthy. And if we are not actually recognizing before the Lord that these are blessings that come from him, like it says in James, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no shadow of turning. If we do not recognize that for every good thing in our life, then we're not giving God glory. And I do not want to be the guy taking God's glory. I really don't. No, me neither. I'm not qualified. But we take away God's glory when we're afraid. When we're afraid of other people, and that's what it comes down to, it's always other people. To God. We're giving God's glory to them because we're treating them like God. Would you say it's a, being afraid is an insult to God? Yeah, I would say it's, it's an insult to God, but it's not an insult that God can't bear with. That yeah. he is, I mean, he's promised to change us. Right. And so if we'll recognize that, oh my gosh, you know, I really did this thing and I acted like... You weren't enough. Forget right. it. That's what I was trying to say. I mean, God, if I really trusted in you, I wouldn't be standing here afraid right now. 
Right. I've just insulted you. I mean, come on, let me snap out of it here. Sorry right. about that. <laughs> you yep. know? I believe, Lord, help me with my unbelief. Yes. And that's such an important prayer to pray. You know, God understands that we are flesh and that we are weak. The scripture says that he knows that we are flesh and that we are weak. Yeah. Now, when, when Peter got out of the boat, you know, and, and started walking on the water, God he understood, Jesus understood what Peter was up against. Jesus had no fear. It didn't take Peter long at all to look around and see the waves and look at the order of things, you know, that he was used to, that when you get out in the water, you sink. And then when the waves are really bad, then bad things are going to happen if you're out in it, right? And everybody gives Peter a hard time. And I look at the other disciples and wonder why they weren't getting out of the boat too. Yeah, there you go. Right there. And so, you know, Peter did it. And then, you know, he's like, oh, Lord, I'm sinking. And Jesus didn't go, well, that's because you stopped trusting me. What did Jesus do? He picked him up. Yeah, he just picked him up. Yeah, and oh, Jesus didn't, Jesus didn't yes. sink when he pulled him out. You know what I mean? Oh. Jesus didn't go down in the water just because he was pulling up another guy. Wow. And he puts Peter back in the boat, and he's like, all right, see so you on the other side. You have just proved your point. Could you go over that one more time? Because I think it's so important. I mean, you said that, I don't maybe I'll go over it for you. <laughs> you said that when we're afraid... We've just insulted God because we don't we don't trust him. If we trusted him, you know, and really believed him for what he said, if we had that faith, we wouldn't have that fear. But then but that's not something we need to to be upset about because God's already he's not offended by that. He knows us. He knows our weakness. And what did Jesus do? He didn't say, "Oh, you have little faith to Peter when he started sinking." He reached in and pulled him up. Didn't say anything to him. Right. Right. He didn't, he didn't dog him out. No, that's what I'm saying. He, he didn't give him a hard time. Peter needed saved. And Jesus got him up and, and put him in the boat. Jesus put him where he was supposed to be. He didn't say, oh, ye of little faith, like he'd say, you know. Well, like he said when he was in the boat. No, I know. No, it was a different situation altogether. These guys are with Jesus, the creator of the universe, in a boat with the Lord, and the Lord's asleep. He's Amen. fine, Right. If they had really recognized who Jesus was, they wouldn't have worried. And I'll tell you why. There's two reasons. One, either Jesus was going to get them through it, or two, they were going to die and they were going to be with God. Yeah. Right? And that's how Paul talked about it. For me to live as Christ and to die is gain. Right. Right? Well, who was he afraid of? Nobody but Jesus. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And Jesus was the one that knocked him off the horse. We need to get knocked off our horses. Yeah. What did he say? What will you have me do? Yeah, immediately. <laughs> Lord, what would you have me do? Yeah. And, and, and that's what we have to do every time we start to feel afraid in the situations that we feel afraid. We've talked about natural fear. We've talked about dealing with the, the natural order of things. You come up against the bear, it makes perfect sense to want to run. You come up against someone dangerous, it makes perfect sense to want to protect yourself or to protect your loved ones. It's an order thing. It just makes sense. I don't go swimming when the shark flags are out. Right. You know what I mean? That's yeah. just wisdom. That's understanding that the Lord has made animals that eat people. So don't go hang out with those animals unless you know how to deal with them. Yeah. Don't go you out know? with that I mean, again. 
I hear all the time. Well, all the time. That's I have heard stories about people who train with killer whales. And they will be with this killer whale for years and years and years. And then suddenly the person somehow demonstrates some behavior that is programmed into that killer whale food. Acts and the like killer prey. whale eats them or, or plays with them wrong. Yeah. Beats them up and kills them because the whale's stupid and doesn't know any better. He's doing exactly what he's supposed to do. Be a whale. Yeah. And people are in the water acting like they're supposed to be whales too. Oh, good one. And so we have to understand who we are. And the disciples are the disciples of Christ. They have already made statements clarifying that they understand who this person is. Right. Hey, it's your boy Johnny breaking in here. Be sure to come back and download or listen to part three of Fear. 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 See you next time. Something different for you for the end of the show here. It's a song I wrote called House E Number Nine. It's uh, Johnny Boy on uh, drums, bass.